Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that looks at the inspiration, intention, and actionable steps to help you jumpstart joy in the world, in your life, and in other people's lives. This is your host, Paula Jenkins. This is episode 183. On this week's show, I'm really excited to include an interview with author, psychic, medium, and channeler of the guides, Paul Selig. This episode was originally released back in June of 2017, right after Paul had released The Book of Truth, which is one of his many channeled works. And it was a real treat to have him on the show to talk about his journey to becoming clairvoyant, telepathic, and psychic. Growing up, Paul was very interested in drama and the arts, and he received his master's from Yale. He later became a playwright and a professor at NYU. And then in 2009, he had a spiritual experience that led him to become a psychic. Now his life's work is working with the guides and channeling their message for us, which he then publishes in books. I love this conversation so much because it really exemplifies how we can intentionally listen for the inspiration that is in our lives and take action on it. I love how Paul said yes to these guides that had come into his life and that he's really honed the craft and now is sharing the wider message from them with us. You will also get to hear him channel in this interview when I ask him about the meaning of joy. And it was a total delight to get to hear what the guides had to say. Before we get to the interview itself, I want to give you a very warm welcome. I know that there is a ton of new listeners here, and I just want to say it means so much to me that you are here and tuning in. I hope that you'll love this episode as much as I did when I originally aired it. If you want to find out more about me or the show, you can find the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com. And... This episode has show notes where you'll find links to Paul's books and some of the things that we talk about, and it's at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash Paul, P-A-U-L. While you're over at the site or in the show notes themselves, you'll see that there is a player where you could binge listen all 182 past episodes right there on the website. Of course, the other way that you could get in touch with the past episodes is to find Jumpstart Your Joy on one of the mini podcasting apps, and then you can go through all of the past catalog right there within your phone. If you're already there, do hit subscribe, and then you'll get each episode as it's aired automatically downloaded to your mobile device, and you can listen as you commute every Tuesday morning. So without further ado, let's get on to the show. Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, Paul. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. The first question that I ask everyone is to tell us a little bit about what you loved most as a child or in school. What were your earliest sparks of joy? God, when I loved when I was a child, it was it was art, it was drawing, and when I was a little older than that, I guess it was theater, and I guess everything about it. So I was an mm-hmm. artsy kid. That's wonderful. Yeah, I loved the theater as well. And now, of course, you are an author and a medium. How did you move, though, from being my understanding is a teacher and a professor into a spiritual path. What did that look like for you? Well, it was unplanned, that's for sure. <laughs> um, I was, um, I'd gotten, a, I was a playwright and I, I graduated um, from Yale when I was 24, I guess. When I was 25, I hit a real wall mm-hmm. and I began to open up spiritually, I think really out of sheer necessity. Um, when in retrospect, when I was writing uh, plays and I was becoming characters and I was inducing a light trance every time I sat down to work with music, 
although I was unconscious that that's what I was doing. And um, in some ways, I think that that was some preparation for channeling the idea of allowing another voice to come through. But really, on a practical level, I ended up having an experience when I was 25 that left me seeing little lights around people. And then I went to an energy healer for a while to begin to understand my own experience of what was beginning to happen to me. And then I finally got up the courage to study healing, and I found that when I had my hands on people, I could hear things for them, which was the beginning of clairaudience, and I was getting accurate information that I had no way of knowing, and I was opening up as a clairsentient and feeling what was going on with people initially physically and then, you know, emotionally, and now I work sort of telepathically when I read for people in my practice, but... Um, it was a process, and I was teaching college for most all of this, really, for 25 years or so. And um, I was doing a little group in my apartment that met every week, and people were starting to show up to want to talk to my guides, which was the beginning of my, my practice as an intuitive. Um, but really, this was sort of unplanned, and it just continued to build. And once the book started being dictated through me in 2009... Um, which was when the first book, I Am the Word, was was delivered. And these books are all, you know, they're not written. I don't write these books. I sit <laughs> in a chair, I close my eyes, I speak them, they're recorded and then transcribed. And mm. there's really no editing, you know, involved. It's just, this is what came out of my mouth at the time when I was sitting in channel. So once that started to happen, it sort of began to move me out of the life that I had known into the work that I'm doing now full time, which is really you know, workshops where my guides are coming through and teaching and attuning people to the energy that they work with and and bringing these books through. How does the channeling process work? Maybe that's helpful for people to understand if they're not sure. familiar with that. Yeah, well, I mean, if you know, I like to say that I'm a radio, you know, mm -hmm. and we're all radios. We're always in a broadcast. Our broadcast is our consciousness. And with me, when I am working as as a channel, I'm a radio for the transmission of my guides. Um, how it feels or how it's happened or my experience of it is, has changed over the years. But what happens now is I close my eyes. I literally imagine myself turning the steering wheel over of a car and climbing into the back seat. And I'll hear and, you know, I'll hear one phrase that is repeated insistently. Mm -hmm. um, and it may, may, may make no sense to me at all, but I'll hear it and I'll hear it and I'll hear it until I give it voice. And the moment I speak that phrase, everything comes out behind it. And my guys, you know, have been known to lecture for, you know, 40 minutes, an hour, you know, at a time, really without a break, because they're preparing their stuff. And I'm really just sitting there keeping up with it. It's a, it can be, it's not a very graceful process. If anybody's ever, you know, watched the YouTube videos of me channeling, it's, mm -hmm. I whisper, I repeat, sometimes it's coming a mile a minute, I can barely keep up. Other times it's a little more polite in the transmission, <laughs> a little easier to listen to. Yeah. But um, that's the process now. I'm really taking dictation. That's the process of channeling, which is different than when I'm working psychically, which is when I work psychically, I get to interpret information and I'm hearing, I'm in conversation at different levels and unspoken levels with my clients because they're often telling me what they really need or what's really going on, you know, in a way mm -hmm. that the personality self isn't able to. Um, but that's a different, it's, it's just, it's, it's different than there, than the client is the radio that I am in tuning into 
to hear their broadcast, whereas the guides are essentially playing my radio. Yeah, and if someone's sitting there thinking to themselves, maybe it's even me, but, (laughs) you know, hey, I think I've got some of that in me. Do most people have this as something they could tap into should they choose to do it? Or how how have you seen that play out with your own clients? You know, I think inspiration, certainly, certainly, and the ability to know with a capital K, Mm -hmm. what's really true and what one is, you know, accessing at a higher level. I think we're all capable of accessing higher information. I don't think that's the issue at all. I do think that channeling is, is, is somewhat unique as I under my experience of it, because my job as a channel is to take dictation. Mm -hmm. That's really, it's, it's not very glamorous. It's, 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 it's almost spoken stenography. And mm-hmm. I'm just speaking and repeating and speaking, listening, repeat, listen, repeat. That's really what I do. And I think most of us, when we get information and, and clear cognizance, which is one of the most effective ways, is just clear knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it may come as a feeling. It may come as a voice. It may come, you know, as an idea or a thought, a thought that wasn't expected, Right. You know, I had to yeah. learn over a period of time to discern what was my stuff and what was the guides. Mm, yeah. Know, what, and, you know, and that was a process that took some time. But now, as I've gotten used to it, I'm able to recede enough. But I don't think everybody needs to be a channel. I think everybody is inspired and has the access and, and ability to do that if they want it. Yeah, that's exciting stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> so many more questions right there more on a personal level but yeah like it just seems so interesting when there are those things that seem to come out of nowhere are those those tend to be your pieces that are probably from a guide the pieces that come out of nowhere i you know i think that how can i say this mm-hmm. I, you know it was funny my father I mean, this is a dumb one I, my father died when i was very very young and i decided mm-hmm. on his birthday to Google his sister, who's also crossed, to see if there was family information. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't, for the life of me, remember her married name, you know, because, you know, she's been gone a long time. Yeah. And I'm looking up this name, and out of the blue, I heard the, I heard the correct name. I was, like, typing in the wrong name. I heard, the, like, like, bang, this is the name. <laughs> and I knew it in every fiber of my being. I'm sure that was somebody, you know, helping me along. And I found this astonishing picture of my, my father and my sister that I had never seen before, taken mm-hmm. when they were children. It was a gift for me on that day. So, you know, it's a funny thing, but I think that we all have this. I think that we can call it our intuitive natures. I I call my guides call it the true self. The true self, they say, always knows, you know. So as we align to our true selves, we have uh, more access to our true knowing and more access to a whole lot of other stuff as well. And I know in the Book of Truth, you, you talk about, or the guides explain, how to find the root of what one's true self is or talks about that at least (laughs) in, Mm -hmm. in the finding of it, maybe. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know. What is your take as, as looking at our truths? You know, how do we discover that? Does it take following a guide or do some of us show up? If if that was the case, if it was following a guide, nobody would ever get there. Do you know (laughs) what I mean? Because not all of us are, calling ourselves or psychics or intuitives and nor should we all be i mean we all have capacity mm-hmm. but then it would be for the select few and you know the guides that i work with 
they're not talking about discovering anything. They're talking about uncovering, really, or revealing what is already true. So the aspect of you that is the guy that the guys would call the true self or the divine self is the eternal self. And what they say is we've gotten sort of stuck in our personalities and sort of assuming that the personality structure, which I guess some people would call the ego, is who we really are, when in fact who we are is something vastly different and vastly more. So the process of claiming the true self is, first of all, understanding that it exists and that because it exists, it can be known. And as it can be known, it can be claimed as who and what we truly are. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm there yet, and mm-hmm. I do this work, and I understand the teachings that come through me, and they make an infuriatingly perfect sense again and again and again. It's very hard to deny what, what's being taught here. But the idea of I'm going to go find myself assumes that you're not already there. <laughs> and right. I think that we're already there, but we've just mistaken one part of ourself uh, for the whole thing. And once we start moving beyond the structures and the the ways we've self-identified through the systems that we've inherited, who Mm -hmm. we think we're supposed to be, what it means to be a success, what it means to be spiritual even, you know, that's just somebody else's idea that we've appropriated and made important. And so once we start moving beyond that, we have access, I think, to more. And yeah. the guys that I work with say, you know, when something is true, it is always true. Mm-hmm. And the true self is always there. It's who and what you truly are, like it or not. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's interesting because I think my language for it um, is around, well, it's through the lens of joy. And I'm certain that you and the guides probably have something to say. I know you do from the book, but or at least in the mastery book, that joy might not really be the the direct destination that we really should be aiming for. But at least for me, it feels like that's the thing that calls me back to remembering who it is that that I am at the core. Um, I don't know if you have insights on what the, what you, how you interpret the guides on that or what they have to say about joy and what our path is. Um, I don't know that they've talked a lot about it. I know they use the word, so they must. You see, I retain about a third of the stuff that comes okay. through me. You know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm basically receded when when the channelings happen. And while I've learned to interpret the teachings that I hear repetitively, other things I go, well, I know they've talked about it. I just don't remember what they said. Mm-hmm. So you know, let me. I'm going to ask them just because I don't know what I don't want to screw it up. And when I just, if I end up channeling just on this, it's just understand that I whisper and then I repeat. So I'm going to ask them to speak mm-hmm. about what joy is in this context. Joy is a ramification of being. Joy is a ramification of being, but in order to be, but in order to be, you have to know who and what you are. You have to know who and what you are. Otherwise you are caught. Otherwise you are caught between different ideas, between different ideas of what is needed, of what is needed, what is true, what is true, what should or should not be, what should or should not be. The true self who knows who he is. The true self who knows who he is is always present, is always present as he be, and as he be, as he is, as he is, as as what he is, as what he is, the divine in form as you, the divine in form as you, joy is a state of expression, 
joy is a state of expression. If I'm to aspire to, it is not something to be aspired to. If it is to be aspired to, if it is to be aspired to, it will remain elusive. It will remain elusive. You'll be chasing that bird. You will be chasing that bird for many, many years. For many, many years. But if your being, but if your being is in grace, is in grace and awareness of union, in its awareness of its union with its source, with its source, joy is a constant state of consciousness. Joy is a constant state of consciousness. Now, what do you ascribe as joy? Now, what do you ascribe as joy in most cases? In most cases, is actually happiness. Is actually happiness. And happiness is not the same as joy. And happiness is not the same as joy. Joy is ecstasy. Joy is ecstasy. It's an ecstatic expression. It's an ecstatic expression of an awareness of an awareness of all things in light, of all things in light, happiness in most cases. Happiness in most cases is about comfort, is about comfort, and that is not our teaching. And that is not our teaching, period, period. Mm, thank you. Take on it. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Paul. That's, that's deep and it's moving. Um, and definitely something my soul needed to hear. So thank you. <laughs> That's beautiful. Well, you know, I'm not the most. I mean, I'm not the. I'm, the, I'm not the most cheerful channel on the block. Some days, so I'm always find. It, I, I find it ironic that I'm. You know, I get these questions, and the guides are quite happy. I know, so they're happy to take them. You know. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I mean, just interesting that. Is it hard for you as as the human form of Paul to always either receive or understand or express the things that the guides tell you? Well, not express, because that's my agreement. But if they say something that I can't get behind, I, I question it. Mm. And even in the books, I interrupt the dictation. I say, you know, yeah. the, and the guys will say, Paul is interrupting, or Paul has a question. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I don't write these books, but my name is on the cover, and I feel somewhat responsible uh-huh. for the content, only in that if I think it's insane... I'm going to feel really terrible if it's out in the world, you know, and I, I certainly don't want to be party to to deception or to confusion or any of that kind of thing. I mean, we've got enough problems in the world without adding to it. Yeah. So my job is, as, as the receiver is to be as present as I can and to show up even when I don't want to. That's my part of the deal. Mm-hmm. How I've integrated this in my life that's been the challenge. I mean, my life is not what it was even three years ago. I left a career I'd had for 25 years yes. and a kind of comfort of the known. I'm not in the comfort of the known anymore. I'm in mm-hmm. a constant state of the unknown. And what is going to happen next? I literally show up every time I channel, which is, you know, a lot these days with mm-hmm. no idea of what's coming out of my mouth. And I've got 400 people on a live stream this coming Wednesday night, you know, or more. I don't know how many will be there. And I show up and I close my eyes. I hear one phrase and then the lecture happens. I sit down to do a book without even knowing what the first chapter is going to be. And whatever comes out of my mouth is the book. The rule has been thus far is that I can't go back and change anything, Mm -hmm. you know, so I don't. Once they actually said, stop the chapter, we'll start again tomorrow because there was too much noise. Somebody yeah. kept buzzing my buzzer during the channeling, but that's about the extent of it. Amazing. So it's a very different way of it is, it is, and it's challenging for me because, you know, I didn't grow up with religion, and I grew up kind of an atheist, and, you know, I think I should be 
and I think those words that are important are I think and I should, which are both really kind of negatives, farther along than I, I am or look different than I do or should have solved it all by now. But you know what? I'm not a guru. I have no desire to be whatsoever. And I don't consider myself a spiritual teacher. I mm. show up for this work anyway. And I see this with a lot of like clients or people where it's that they think the path is one thing and maybe their path even has been that thing for a really long time. But then they start to uncover and rediscover and re-engage with who they are. And really, it's a very different person altogether, like whatever the truth is. do you? Is that hard for you as a person, having been in a place where you would have controlled and written a lecture versus now you're the channel for a lecture? No, that's not hard. And the funny thing is, I was being prepared for the work that I'm doing for years without really knowing it. There was a point maybe, I don't know, eight, ten years ago, more maybe more now, where I would show up at NYU to lecture and I would just refuse to look at my notes. Mm. And everything happened in the moment. And I began to love, and, and I refused to do it after that. I would just show up, and it would just <laughs> happen. And yeah. I was learning how to trust, I think. And, you know, I, was, I, I have to say I was a very good teacher. And I was mm -hmm. inspired, and I loved every minute of it. And it was different than channeling because I was being Paul. And I wasn't talking in this crazy English accent, and I wasn't whispering and repeating. I was present as me, but it really was, I feel, the most developed and highest part of me that was available for that work and those students. But mm -hmm. I do think it was preparing me for the channeled work. And for all I know, in 10 years, I won't be whispering and repeating. It'll be in my own voice. I have no idea how this works or what's going to happen next, hopefully. If people pay to come see me and I show up, they're going to show up too. Otherwise, it would be a bit of a train wreck. And, <laughs> you know, I think they know that if that happened, I would never do it again. So they keep showing up with me. Yeah. So that's what it looks like today. That's, yeah, that's an amazing amount of trust, I'm sure, that you've put in them that they show up. It's it's the tr it's it's not a, so much a trust in them. It's a trust in the it or the event or the phenomena or this thing that happens. You know, when I channel, and I, do, I, this, I don't know when this started, but it's being reported pretty much every time I work, because I don't see myself when I work. But when I'm channeling, and there's a certain attunement my guides do, where they get up and they just look at everybody. I mean, it's kind of almost like a darshan. It's an energetic attunement. And, you know, I have, you know, dark hazel eyes. And when I do that, my eyes supposedly are bright blue. I've never seen it. Wow. But, you know, I've be, but it's reported so many times that I trust the phenomena. I trust yeah. that when the, the attunements, which are encoded in language, are given in a workshop or on a live stream, you know, we're going to feel it because we do. You know, mm -hmm. when people, I did, a, I did an event in Chicago a couple of weeks ago, and I think about 100 people in the theater, and there were maybe 20 of them that had worked with me or knew my work, and everybody else was just there for the show. But the guides attuned the energy and got them all working with it. And, you know, all of these people who perhaps had never felt energy before in their life were feeling it. And to me, that's very exciting, you know, mm -hmm. to be party to that kind of phenomena, I think is kind of great. Do I understand it? No. Do I count on it at this point? Yes. Yeah. I have to because it's revealed itself as true so many times. Yeah, that's and that's wonderful. I and interesting that, of course, they would read the room and understand it and bring people into that vibrational energy as well. Yeah, yeah. 
what is your take? Uh, I mean, my background being, I loved the Old Testament. That was my favorite in, uh, in, in studying at Yale. And I was really taken in reading your books that a lot of what the guides say is that I believe the phrase, I am here. Um, and it yeah, struck me yeah, as I was yeah. reading it that that's so similar. It's a, it's a little different, but that what Moses says to, at the burning bush is Hineni, which is yeah. Hebrew for here I am. Do you think yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. is there something in there? Was he in tune with the guides? Is that the same as the Holy Spirit? What is your sense or the know. guide sense? I don't know. I mean, the guides say that they've been around a long time. And they, you know, have have made a couple of I felt sort of I, I don't I didn't quite know what to make of these remarks. But when they speak about world religions, they say, you know, I've heard what well, we were around for the inception of some of them. You know, I mean, so this is not a new teaching. They say that again and again and again. This is not a new teaching. When something right. is true, it is always true. And so the I am that I am, you know, and, and mm-hmm. there's a long lineage of that in of of the I am work. In, in 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 metaphysics, I don't know a lot of it. You know, I know that there were these people in the '30s who were doing I am stuff, and I and it's been around. You know, it ain't new stuff. But does it begin there? Probably it does. We're the same guys. I'm going to ask, sort of. I get sort of yes, but how people know quote unquote guides I hear is different depending on their. Some of it is their era, their religious, their religious background, what they believe in, what they believe in, how God will appear to the atheist. How God will appear to the atheist will be different than the Christian, will be different than the Christian or the Buddha or the Buddhist, you know, period. That's what I get. So mm. that's interesting, okay. you know. So, yes, it's all, finally, I think it's all spirit anyway. And all of the delineations that we make, that's convenient to the times, you know what I mean, or the the cultural legacies that we we inherit. Mm-hmm. Um, that much I I feel very strongly about. You know, it's it's all one thing. If if we go up higher, we're all the same anyway. <laughs> Only yes. when we come lower that we we're dealing with all this personality crap. Yes, yes, and, and like you said, things that are assigned either by where we are born or what our parents said, or yeah, mm-hmm. um, yes. Hmm. Well, I know we're rounding near to the 1030 my time. Um, Uh Is there anything about your book or uh, I know you said you have a webinar this week. Do you have other things coming up that people can attend and where can they find you? Well, my website is my name. It's Paul Selig, P-A-U-L-S-E-L-I-G dot com. There are Mm -hmm. a lot of events coming up. Um, I do a live stream seminar almost every Wednesday night. They come in little series, but you can join in at any time. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, the guides are teaching and they're taking people's questions. And it's it's quite wonderful to do this every week because there's a nice community that's built up around the work. But I'm doing workshops all over the U.S. and the U.K., and mm-hmm. that schedule is up on my website as well, and that's an opportunity to work with the guides directly. You know, they they show up, they attune people, and they teach. And every class is different because they're teaching to different people, and they have different things they want to talk about. And right now, they seem to be preparing for the next book. So the teachings that are coming out are all very new because that's how they get us <laughs> ready for what's to come next. Very cool. Thank you. And I will, those, those links will be in the show notes. Um, and then I have two questions. I ask everybody at the end, if you have just a couple more minutes, sure. um, 
what does, how do you maintain harmony in your life? And, and some people answer that as the, how do, what does balance look like for you? Well, I know what it would look like for me <laughs> if I had it, but I don't yeah. have it. Yeah. So I'm not going to pretend that I do. You mm-hmm. know, for me, yeah. it would be finding an, a balance between a personal life and a professional life and a spiritual life that is holding all of those things. And also, in my case, because it's overdue, a real awareness of how to balance my physical needs through this work, which mm-hmm. is actually very taxing on my body, the channeling. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that you know, I have ideas but I'm not, I, this one, I don't, you know, I haven't figured it out yet. And um, maybe I need yeah. to put some more time there. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and then my last question is, what are three ways that you can think of to jumpstart joy in your life, in the world, or in other people's lives? I think realizing that divine worth is inherent in everybody. That everybody who was born has a right to be here, whether or not we agree with them that who we are is much greater than who we think we are. And when we diminish somebody else because they're not conforming to who we want them to be, we're diminishing ourselves as well. As my guides say, you can't be the light and hold another in darkness. Mm. And even though I struggle with that, I know it to be true. Um, And, you know, as, as has been said, follow your bliss. That's the gift. That's the Mm -hmm. gift of being alive. Okay. Mm. Thank you so much, Paul. This has just been a real delight. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Paul, thank you so much for being on the show. It was really such a treat to get to speak with you. And thank you so much for sharing your gift and agreeing to channel the guides themselves while we were on air together. If you guys want to find out more about this episode or... Get the links to Paul's books. You can find the show notes for this episode at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash Paul, P-A-U-L. And while you're there, you can also listen to the back catalog if this has caught your interest. You'll find a player of all past episodes embedded right there within the show notes itself when you scroll right down to the bottom of that page. Or, of course, you can find Jumpstart Your Joy in all of the regular podcasting spots and you can find the back catalog there. Next week on the show, I will be back with a brand new solo cast all about how joy is vulnerable and why we need to lean into the vulnerability so that we can feel the full breadth of all of our emotions. If you have seen Brene Brown's special on Netflix, you'll know that she talks so much about joy and I am excited to dive into that territory, somewhat inspired by what she had to say and I just can't wait to share it with you guys next week. So I hope you'll come back for that episode. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.